Welcome to the Pursuit Friends Church Network of House Churches podcast. I'm the planner and lead pastor, Brian Donahue, and I'm joined by Kristen All, who is the director and pastor of Network Ministries. We're excited to share about what God is doing at Pursuit Friends Church as we build this network of house churches. On this podcast, you'll hear stories of how God is moving and working in our midst, updates and news on our progress, but we really want to focus on sharing what we are walking through from God's Word each week as a church family. So grab a cup of coffee, your Bible, and join Kristen and myself as we share how God is moving at Pursuit Friends Church and as we discuss what we learned from our Bible passage this week. We're glad you're here. Stay tuned. And welcome to episode 17. I am Brian Donahue. I'm here with Kristen All once again to talk to you about all things Pursuit Friends Church, but really it's just an excuse to talk about what God's doing. Amen. And uh, to bring fame and glory unto his name. Uh, and we're just so blessed as a church and as leaders, Kristen, to get to brag, so to speak, on the way that God is moving. And I know I feel humbled yeah. to be a part of uh, Pursuit and what he's doing, um, not just in in the context of the larger network, right? but to see what he's doing in the context of families and yeah. individuals' lives yeah. is really powerful. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, humbled is the right word because you look and see things that you just, <laughs> I have enough of a fair picture of myself to know it's gotten, it's in spite <laughs> of me. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. So the opportunity to, to be able to be just a participant in what God's doing mm-hmm. is humbling. Yeah. yeah. And that, that really, I think the enjoyment of being able to sit back and see what God is doing to witness it mm-hmm. and then to rejoice and worship God even more because of it yeah, um, is something that I have come in recent months to realize uh I needed refreshed in yeah. as a minister of the gospel that everything was so focused on the overall church success and right. what we did that caused more people to be there any given Sunday. Right. Um, and uh, just to be able to sit back and say, hey, wow, God, I'm going to praise you just as much for how you're working in this one individual's life in our church and have just uh, even more joy over that than whatever success looks like for us on any given Sunday. Yeah, I agree, Brian. It's been good. It's been very good. We would like to um, invite uh, you guys to celebrate the birth of Jesus with us on Christmas Eve at 6.30 p.m. at Hartville Church of the Brethren. We are finalizing our service uh, this week, I hope, and well, we need to. We have no choice because the next week, Yes, uh, it's been a crazy year. (laughs) It's gone by fast. Yeah, crazy, but also really hard. Right. <laughs> and really good, too. Yeah, and very good. Yes. Also, also true. Although I did see a really funny meme and they said uh, something like like you would t- in the voice you would use with small children. OK, 2022 is coming. We're all going to walk in quietly. We're going to keep our hands to ourselves. We're going to use our indoor voices. <laughs> like, like, let's just not break anything. Let's just That's see. That's good. <laughs> 
That's so appropriate. I thought so. so. Appropriate. I resonated with it anyway. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's you know that sounded really Christian too though, like Christianese when I said and really good. <laughs> we are, you know, blessed beyond you know whatever and and uh, um, but you know that's really the true hope and joy of the Lord. Like yeah. like it, it is. I want you guys to hear this. Um, because I don't think we do this well. We don't lament well in the body right. of Christ, and um, there is something healing and biblical <laughs> and human <laughs> about lament uh, about lamenting. And uh, when we're with a brother or sister in Christ, like we that, that ought to be there ought to be freedom to say, you know, I'm I'm glad to be saved, and I love the Lord, and He's good, but life's really hard right now and yeah. or it's been hard or I'm going through this or that and just be real with each other and carry each other's burdens that way. Right. And um, that's something that we get the privilege of doing um, at Pursuit Friends Church. Uh, we've just chosen to do that more intentionally. Yeah. And to focus on that aspect of the gathering and um so we we got a lot to dive into we do um today i'm really excited about it but christmas eve 6 30 hartville church of the brethren we're gonna go on so many little rabbit trails oh but good rabbit okay, trails good. today good, I hope. Good, good. hopefully focused and right so kristen if you see me going off topic yes you know give me a little hand yeah same you know same right yes um yeah but because there's a lot of really great stuff to talk about um, not just today, but in the coming weeks too. Um, but Christmas Eve, I keep, I gotta, I gotta finish Christmas Eve or Speaking I'm not going to be able to move on. coming back to topic. Yes. Right. Christmas Eve. Uh, Christmas Eve, 630 Hartwell Church of the Brethren. Um, it's going to be just a very simple, um, a beautiful service because of who Jesus is and what he did. Yes. Um, and we're just excited to gather together, both house churches, our whole network. And yeah. we're going to have extra friends and family there too. Bring your kids. Yes. Yes. This is a um, family-friendly service. No. And and yeah. uh, it's just, it's going to be wonderful. We're really excited um, for Christmas Eve this year in particular. Um, so, um, just keep that up. You can check out all the details of the address on our Facebook page, uh, if you want more information on that. So Kristen, we, um, had this week, what we call our freestyle week in our house churches. And some of you are like, what in the Harry Hay freestyle dance style? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Our group, we, we typically do R and B hip hop, you know, so this week we decided, well, no, that's not what we're talking about. Um, we're talking about, uh, as we study God's word, we've been going through first Samuel, Um, we felt like it was a good idea and just fun to every now and then throw in a freestyle week that would allow us to do several different things. Catch up if, if one of the churches decides we need to stay a little longer in a passage. Right. Um, uh, or if you speed up or whatever in another church, well, you know, um, yada, yada. But uh, that also just time for the church leaders, if they have a special message or word from the Lord that is on their heart, it's a great opportunity to share that in a little bit different setting and style maybe. Right. Um, and also a freedom for the house churches, kind of a scheduled time. Uh, where they might do something totally different. They Which might is what say, we kind of yeah. Do. Well, not totally, totally, but right. go ahead. Yeah, well, yeah. well, where, um, you know, they might say, hey, this week, 
uh, let's go serve somebody. Right. Would you, you know, be, or yeah. let's just, let's focus on the fellowship meal this week. Like, yeah. let's just hang out together um, as we gather, whatever, you know, right. freestyle in that sense. That be creative, <laughs> do what the Lord leads you to do. Yeah, which we always do, but it is just a, an even greater freedom. One of the things I did uh, that I, I'm not sure to the uh, benefit or not of our group <laughs> is shared a resource that I've been using that has helped me, which is a an app that has a daily sort of devotion, but it's more of a prayer devotion that leads you through um, and some some time, some quiet, um, and some some opportunity. And in the Advent season in particular, I have found a lot of spiritual rest in having something guide me through right, that process. Right. So uh, I shared one of those with our group. And it is, uh, I first thank them for the uh, the freedom to be guinea pigs and to allow, and like, I don't know what they do. We laughed about, you know, they could have a coup, I suppose, or something, right, but right. Um, they submitted to the... <laughs> Those to rebellious people over right. there at the... <laughs> Or maybe wise. I don't know. <laughs> but it was, it, it, I always, for me personally, I find it helpful occasionally to engage in a spiritual practice or style or something that is completely different because um, I, maybe it's just my brain, but I can get lulled into yeah. feeling like the way I do it is the only way and it can get kind of stale and this is something that's brought refreshment and I mm. just thought would be interesting to expose them to. So Very yeah. good. That's yeah. cool. That's cool. Yeah. That's that's one of the things that I I think a lot of pastors and leaders struggle with or mm-hmm. work through or whatever whatever you wanna say there, but um is we can very much, you know, I got to preach a certain way. I've got to even just do a discussion a certain way. Right. And we tend to fall, in, or maybe fall is too harsh of a word, but we tend to just kind of get into a routine right. and a habit. And uh, sometimes it's really great to break that intentionally. Um, and also to understand that there are different people in your study that are in your group that learn differently exactly and respond differently to different methods and ways of worshiping ways of studying God's word and even different ways of fellowshipping right exactly so. and that was part of my thought too Brian I tend to be kind of in the middle on most personality tests which is probably part of why I like to change it up mm. um, but I think it is helpful I try to be aware that there that just because something resonates with me right. Or because or doesn't resonate with me doesn't mean that it won't help somebody else. And you're serving the group, not not just yourself. Yeah. So, uh, and, wait, what? Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, we. I'm not gonna go there now because. <laughs> well, and and to um, I think that's part of house church the freedom that it doesn't have to be perfect. That it, it, it and and it kind of helps the discussion in some ways to say, okay, we're gonna try this thing. Like I know you guys did something different too. What did you think about it? And just it helps everyone kind of break um, some of the conversational rules and and open up a little bit. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, I one of the things that I know people love about church. Some at least there's a segment of the population of yeah. churchgoers that love about church is that most churches you go to, and we're talking about traditional yeah. churches, 
even if it's not liturgical per se, (laughs) it can still be liturgical in the sense of highly organized. We know exactly. Right. We know there's going to be a welcome. We know there's going to be a song or two, and then we're going to greet each other, and then another song or two, and they're going to do communion or pass the plate or whatever, and then the pastor's going to stand up, and maybe there'll be someone singing special, and, you know, it's we know what's coming, and as... For many people, that's extremely comforting. Well, and I don't. I think sometimes to, that can be extremely helpful. Oh, absolutely, right? yes. absolutely. I'm, yeah, I'm not right. saying it's negative necessarily, um, but I, you know, in that what we find is uh, there can be, for many different reasons, um, a lack of being able to be flexible yes. with that, and right. and even with all the right and heart. Right. Um, say, hey, you know, if the Holy Spirit moves, we're going to flex, you know, or exactly. we're going to move with the Holy Spirit. Uh, sometimes that's harder to do. Right. Um, when you're really locked into a certain way of in order of service. So with our house churches, um, you know, I think our people, too, really appreciate the fact that we flex. The fact that we, that's one reason why they're coming. Yeah. Yeah. They wanted it to feel different, or yeah. maybe they came because of relationship. Yeah, right. Um, right. With with either myself or you, and yeah, uh, they're like, "Whoa, yeah, <laughs> I dig that. This this is nice. I didn't know. Yeah, I would love this. Well, and you know, they they say that if you, uh, I'm going to make an analogy here that to learn to eat a new food. If you if you've ever had a toddler, you know this. I, you know what? Food analogies are like right up my alley. I know. So I I'm listening this, very <laughs> intently. I'm going to get this. I thought really that deeply. would resonate with you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you have to eat it. I don't know. It's like a dozen or 17 times or some crazy a number because you don't know what to expect, and so. You have to try it and give it a shot to find out how it's really, do you like it or not? What's the texture? What's the whole thing? And house church is kind of the same way. It can be uncomfortable because it's unfamiliar and you don't know what's happening and you don't. But um, it's smaller. It's, oh, it's so small. (laughs) It is so small. Uh, There's no escaping the community and there's no hiding in the background. Um, But I just want to. Our experience has been that um, it's something you didn't know that you loved. Yeah. Right? It may have felt weird at first, but then you're like, okay, and I can't even maybe even break down what the ingredients are, but I'm loving this. Mm. That's that's something Jack Radcliffe talked about. Yeah. Like him and his wife, as they did their first kind of test run at House Church Mm -hmm. with Ypsilanti Friends, like they were like, oh, Wow. Yeah. Now we don't want to go back. Right. Like that's how powerful. And I think that's been the case for many of us at Pursuit um, is that now we have tasted something. Right. And again, I don't want to over spiritualize the right model or there being a wrong model necessarily. Although that's another podcast. Maybe we'll go there eventually. But um, uh, I just I, I think that there is something that has been tasted by everybody a part of pursuit and other house church networks or micro church networks that you go this feels so authentic this feels like I'm really in relationship with people I can come here as I am week in and week out wherever the Lord has me on this journey and I can engage still with the Lord yeah. like he is not rejecting me I don't have to put on a mask I don't have to look a certain way I can come and say hey I'm having a tough 
crappy week. Yeah. My mom's going to be mad I said crappy on Uh-oh. the podcast. But You're in trouble. I still, lo- I hope you still love me, Mama. Um, <laughs> I know it's, you do. It's To me, though, it's community. Yes. Which yeah. everybody knows is important. This model just puts community on the top. Yeah. And, right? and I think, too, it shows... It shows us, like, what what I've learned uh, among the many things that I've learned and that I'm still learning is that I – and the only phrase that's in my mind right now, Kristen, is I think I was fooled. Ah, uh, yeah. I think I was fooled into thinking that something else was community yeah. when it wasn't. Right. Because I never felt like – I mean, you know, there's people you connect with in any right. setting, even of outside course. of church. Let's yeah. even at work, you know, yeah. your friends. You have people that you just naturally click with. You you naturally are um, going to gravitate towards when you go into a group setting. Right. You know, they're right. your people. You know, yeah. they're your family. You know. Yeah. And uh, so that exists right. in every church my wife and I have ever been in. We have those people, of course. And so we cling to that. But there is a larger picture of community right. that I think we're have been engaged with at Pursuit in that it has opened our eyes to realize that we are called to love everyone and be in community with everyone or as many people as we can, opening our lives up to others. And that, you know, I may not be best friends with this person in the house church, but man, when they hurt, I hurt. When they rejoice over something excellent happening in their lives, I can rejoice just as joyfully. Yeah. Because we're sharing life, we're we're eating together, we're you know talking about the Bible together, we're growing, and we're all in different parts of our journey, and we're patient with each other, and we celebrate the steps along the way. Um, I have so. a word for it, Brian. It's family. What can you spell that? Yeah. I'm just <laughs> No, but I yeah, mean, that's good. what you what you described in the beginning, right, is friendship. It's the people you choose that you have connection with, yeah. that you have family. You don't get to choose. They're the people God gives you. Mm-hmm. And there is such beauty mm-hmm. in that saying, we are family, which means you belong here. Right. Whether we have a personal, right. like, common interest or we mm-hmm. speak the same language, right? Mm-hmm. And the richness that has come from that. Mm-hmm creating kind of almost a covenant group right right mm-hmm. that we belong to each other and your pain is my pain and your success is my success and um you know you may be off on a tangent but i love you anyway right, right. you know what i mean was and, that a clue for me no that wasn't okay, that okay. had nothing Just... to do i know a guy <laughs> <laughs> Or or last night we had a lovely discussion over our dessert over um, music. I have never seen. If you guys know Aaron, Aaron is a uh, warm heart, but he does not show give a lot away on his mm-hmm. face. Right, like you don't always know. You know, well when you bring up country music, I've never seen so much expression on that man's face. <laughs> Like disdain uh, and disgust for? Yes, yes, okay. yes. We were talking about different styles of music, and it was funny because uh, obviously there's a little difference of opinion at the table about whether or not country music is good or not, but yeah. it was funny. I'm I telling would, you. If I had to guess, 
I would guess that Megan's a country fan. She does like like, all right. like some country. I, yes, yes. And so they had quite an interesting discussion. <laughs> we all did about our what's on our Spotify list yeah. and uh, yeah. where the overlaps are and are not. So yep. it was very fun. De- it was a Devin, fun conversation. My wife. That reminds me of my wife and I have quite different differing tastes in music too. Right. Generally, um, I really enjoy. Um, hip-hop and rap and in the Christian. Right. If I don't listen to this, you know, I'm not trying to make a statement there or anything, but <laughs> um, I just like singing and hearing about Jesus when I'm listening to music, unless we're talking like big band era, popular Americana music, gotcha. uh, like Sinatra and Bing and all those guys. But um, she's a big country fan. And yeah. it's amazing to me. She does not sit around... Since we've been married, she doesn't sit around. Uh, period. No, she's a hard worker and she working is. gal and very energetic. But uh, she she's not listening to country music all day long. Uh, I mean, hardly ever. I can maybe a few times on my hand can I remember us in the car, her saying, "Let's find a country station." Yeah. But yet she will hear a country song that she hasn't listened to for years and just start. <laughs> singing it and knowing every word i'm like i know you don't you don't listen to this anymore she goes it's i don't know either i just i i listened to it before we were married all the time and so it's, it's there you know stored in our data bank it's, there yeah <laughs> so it's it's quite it, that's i love marriages and the difference in music styles is, is a hysterical thing sometimes to yeah we had a good we about. had a good discussion around the table last night that's fantastic yeah, it was fun so we we had uh, a couple things I want to mention real quick, Kristen, before we dive into our main topic. And you may have another thing or two too. But um, we had our uh, neighborhood Christmas party at our house yeah. on Friday night, and uh, it it was a blast. We just say bring your favorite dessert or make a dessert and come. I love it. And holy cow. <laughs> lots of dessert people like fantastic desserts too everything was delicious and amazing and worth trying um but again just having reinforced in my heart the we were all in my kitchen and dining room area and all around the table and we talked about so many different things as neighbors and just the laughter and just being together and in, in we had a little bit smaller group than we were hoping for but you know what? It it's it's still good to get together with neighbors yeah. and to have that sense because we'll take that and we'll give that to the person on either side of us, you know. And, yeah. and it just it helps the neighborhood. Yeah. And even Devin and I were talking like like she was like, man, I wish we would have had more, you know. And I was like, yeah, but even just the invitation that we sent out hopefully made people feel good. Right. That there's a neighborhood there's people in our neighborhood that want to be together yeah and that are inviting them to be a part of that even if they're busy right can't make it holidays um, are crazy yes, yes exactly yeah. it's a hard time to have extra get-togethers oh, outside hard. of the family so it was it was just a wonderful representation a different way of just how good that table fellowship is um and just a lot of laughter and then how that spills over for us into sunday morning yeah um in our discussion just had just had a lot of cool things happen we probably won't get into some of the specifics but we did get to affirm and pray over eric and stephanie schnackel i do want to mention that because we really desire to affirm and 
uh, people that are living out the gospel through their vocation. They're not in paid full-time ministry or paid part-time ministry or whatever. You know, they don't have a title in the church. They do have a very important title and call in the body of Christ. And so we desire to emphasize that. And Eric and Stephanie are part of the scrap metal industry uh, here in Northeast Ohio, have been for years, and they've sold their lives into this. And uh, so we just laid hands on them and prayed for them and asked God to bless them. We used verbiage. It was more than just blessing them and encouraging them. We said, you are sent into your jobs um, to be the hands and feet of Christ, to shine his light. Um, And we use words like anointed and um, empowered. And um, it was, it it was just amazing. Um, It's always amazing when you lay hands on people and, and gather around them and pray over them and ask the Lord to bless them, to lead them, to provide for them. Um, but it, it was nice um, to do that again. And we hope to continue to do that in our yeah. churches yeah. is to have um, make sure we're praying over every single couple, every single family, every single person, um, and speaking that language into their lives, that you are mm-hmm. sent, that you... Um, one of the things that, that surprised me is how many people say things to the nature of, you know, I've never thought about getting prayed for before. Mm. I always think, you know, other people are more important or, you know, I'd like to pray over, God bless their heart. You know, I want to pray over other people who are out there and, um, uh, that's got to shift in our culture. I agree. That has, that, even though that's a humble thing to say and, and, and very peace filled and, you know, um, selfless. Yeah. We are all sent sent into the world it's called disciples right right we throw that word around all the time but what it actually means (laughs) is that we are followers of jesus called to do his work in every context and every circumstance and every environment that he puts us in and we have unfortunately thrown the word around so much that we've lost the meaning and it is i you know i love something else you said brian that really struck me is we're real quick to pray for physical suffering Mm. for other people but one of the things that's come up in my group too as we talk through prayer requests are the context that we're in we're praying over Mm -hmm. you know be with megan who is a nurse in a covid unit who is managing twice as many patients as she should have Mm-hmm. twice as many patients as she mm-hmm. should have you know be with my husband as he is struggling to um, complete the work set before him by the end of the mm-hmm. year in a way that is God honoring mm-hmm. and peaceful and still have time to connect with the souls right. <laughs> that are around him that need him in mm-hmm. other ways you mm-hmm. know um, so I think that that intimacy allows you to get beyond some of the surface obvious prayer requests into more of the nitty-gritty of i gosh you guys would pay for me i i need peace over this you know i mean i need empowerment i need Mm. this person that i love these people that i love are hurting and i need to be able to be there for them yeah you know Yeah. yeah that's good huh and and speaking just feeling blessed right now um by what God's doing. Yeah. Um, speaking of discipleship, 
Yeah. <laughs> At Whitmer House Church, we uh, watched in our freestyle week. Yes. Watched a video uh, from Jenny Allen and IF Gathering. Uh, and I'll have the link to this in our uh, show notes, actually, in case you're interested in finding this and seeing it for yourself. We watched a video called Discipleship in the Middle East with Pastor X. Yeah. And Pastor X... Um, is not the leader of the X-Men, as you might be thinking. Pastor X uh, is labeled Pastor X because he is doing vitally important and impactful work in the Middle East, and it is a very risky business to be a Christian uh, in many parts of the Middle East. Um, And this uh, focused primarily on Iran, uh, at least at the opening of the film, of the video and interview and the pastor's identity. He's blurry in the video. Mm. His voice is masked as well. Mm. Excuse me. Um, and so Jenny Allen is interviewing this pastor um, about his conversion experience, his wife's conversion experience, and um, also what is happening in the yeah. church in Iran and how God is doing miraculous, powerful, yeah. um, life altering things. Um, and many hundreds of thousands of Muslims are coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Um, and kind of one of the things, I guess, Kristen, that I want to say first is, and I think if I'm not mistaken, we have spoken about it before in, in past podcasts. Um, but one of the things that stood out to me in this video, and I highly recommend you guys watching this again, we'll put the link in the show notes, but, um, uh, he said something that we talked about at Whitmer was the difference. He said that Jesus cannot be savior unless he is first King in your life. And I feel like that's a, a prophetic revelation or at least maybe not prophetic, um, but a revelation for what the church in the West in America is. We have accepted Jesus as Savior. Yeah. But in so many Christians' lives, he is not king. He is not on the throne. The number one reason you wake up in the morning, the number one reason you can go to bed at night in peace, um, he is not truly king of your life. Um, and... He, they allude to and very powerful. I guess maybe it's not an allusion to it, but but they say, God, ha- Jesus has to be king in their lives there, because if he's not king, you won't die for him. If he's not your everything, that's language they used. I think Jesus has to be your everything in order to be willing to die. And the Christians in the Middle East, oftentimes, face death for just being a Christian for, or at least imprisonment, I think they mentioned in the mm-hmm. video. Yeah. Well, and he talks about a, m- a moment when they had had a great number of people come to faith in Jesus and then persecution comes and they lost a lot of people and lost them from the faith mm-hmm. and having a powerful moment with God saying, well, you made converts. You didn't make disciples. Mm. And I pastors, just, Pastors, I'm interrupting you. Go ahead. Pastors, watch this video. Um, Because I believe, and 
Jack and I talked about this in our last yeah. special episode. Like we we've come to the place where we say, in in the video worded it a little differently than we did, but we've made a bunch of converts. But our discipleship game is probably significantly less than we really are care to think about. And so that's why we get frustrated as pastors when someone comes into our office or comes to church and um, something's happened in their life and they're just a total wreck ready to forget about every, you know. Yeah. Um, we get frustrated when you hear about Christians deconstructing their faith or what, you know, questioning what yeah. they believe. Um, uh we, we're making converts. We're making people that Jesus is their savior. They get to go to heaven, but that's, uh, is there any real acknowledgments that they need saved from their sins? You know, like, like, uh, and how can Jesus do that if he's not king of their lives? Yeah. You just hit the nail on the head there because I wonder if we, if what we offer people is just a get out of jail free card are they really saved mm -hmm. i don't see any call right that was get your card stamped and right. then you can choose whether or not <laughs> i'm king what i see is a call to join the kingdom yes right and in the persecuted church it becomes real black and white mm-hmm because your life can be on um, your certainly your freedom your in so many ways you, is right on the line so you have to decide am I part of the kingdom or not I think that we have sold people a bill of goods and then we wonder why they're not interested because mm -hmm. when you sell somebody an empty promise it's empty yeah yeah discipleship is far from empty mm -mm. but it's also not free and you know grace yes. is free yes yeah but it's it's but um if you want to engage it means reorienting your life mm -hmm. to a new kingdom yeah and they say this pastor x says in the video jesus actually made it really hard to follow him yeah and he brings up the rich young ruler yeah who i've a past i heard pastor years ago say he's actually the poor young slave in actuality mm. Mm. but the rich young ruler says what else do i need to do and what does jesus say he says sell everything and follow me and the rich young ruler said that's too much and we always i've always taken that passage to say well okay you know yeah there's a cost to following jesus in actuality it's not this free thing yeah uh, uh you know but um I've always kind of looked at it that way, like, oh, man, I've got a lot to learn from this young kid, you yeah. know. Um, but what this Pastor X pointed out was, what did Jesus do? He let him go. Yeah. He wasn't ready to follow him. So right. he didn't He didn't wrap up his sermon in a package that would be, you know, someone right. might say, hey, okay, this, I'm going to say a prayer, yeah. you know, so that you can walk out of here saying, hey, another person got saved. Right. He let people go who did not want to follow him, yeah. who weren't ready to count the cost, who weren't ready to lay down their lives. Um, I think that's what's so powerful about the disciples originally, too. Mm. Like, even though there's not the text that the disciples were already aware of Christ, they would have been because he was moving around right. their areas. They probably heard him preach. Right, right. Um, and so when he came and said, follow me, they were willing to drop everything because they were gripped Right. 
already by who he was and what he was saying and what right. he was doing and what they had seen. And they ultimately, even if maybe at the beginning they weren't totally aware of where they would end up, right? they proved that they were willing to lay down their lives for the sake of the gospel and for Jesus and to tell others about him. Um, and so that's that's huge. Yeah, it is. It is. It was interesting, too, in the video, um, just talking about the um, attitude <laughs> of uh, purifying that happens when you're under persecution. Mm. Um, that, you know, you are no longer, you don't have time for things that are not essential. And not that we need to live like we're in crisis because those things are helpful but they're they're small details yeah. <laughs> right we got to keep the essential thing the essential thing he, he even mentioned i'll just say this real, real yeah. briefly is you know christians in the west thought wearing a mask was persecution yeah <laughs> said we get our doors knocked in and they drag us off and you know yeah like we could die right we live in a constant state of looking over our shoulders right and that's for being a christian that's not even a right you yeah, know, the comparison is yeah it's not being a good iranian yeah. citizen yeah, right you know? exactly like, uh, exactly yes yeah. yeah yeah but i i really thought that was really helpful we can be so tribal and so concerned no we can't yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> i know some people about? that can be really tribal <laughs> and be like are you on my team or are you not on my team and do you agree with all these points and you know it is important to have alignment when yeah. you're trying to pull in the same direction right. there is nothing wrong with that yeah, yeah. but we got to be so careful because we go way too far with that mm. and make that the thing that's that's fantastic because yeah. uh, I hadn't thought about discussing this part of it, but Jenny asked him, like, are there denominations? Yeah. And he, he said, well, no. Right. Because <laughs> uh, we make the main thing the main thing. You know, like like we focus when you're in, under this type of persecution, you don't have time to worry about do they think a little bit differently than right. me. You're focused on Jesus. Right. You're focused on the person of Jesus. How do I be more like Jesus? Yeah. How do I rely on the Holy Spirit more? Right. Um, and then also it, it kind of it wasn't in this film, I don't think, but um, they advertised for another film called Sheep in Sheep Among Wolves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I just started watching this morning, actually. And uh, he said, you know, you've... He said, we're having discussions with our wives. What happens if this group of people come in and take you and rape you? What do you want me to do? Yeah. I can't fathom having that discussion with yeah, my wife right. and with my daughter. What, you know, is there a line? When do you start spilling the beans about who who else are, are, is a Christian? Right. You know, what where what are you doing? Um, and he said, that's their daily discussion. Yeah. What happens if today someone comes in here yeah. and imprisons us, beats us? Um, he even talked about, uh, maybe we should have had a warning, but he even talked about men are raped, um, as a huge way of demeaning them and mm -hmm. getting them to break down. Um, and so it's, it's, that's the daily discussions they're having. How do we stay safe today? but yet still be bold with the gospel yeah. when the opportunity comes.
to talk to someone else about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, in America, our discussion revolves around, um, I'm real, I'm, I'm just not sure if, you know, work is the right setting to talk about Jesus in, you know, um, <laughs> uh, I don't, you know, I don't want to offend anybody or, uh, you know, we have, we have, you know, our worries are just so, and, and I want to be sensitive, like, our worries are our worries, our concerns are our concerns, and in our context, they mean a lot to us. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to sound like a hard-nosed, you know, whatever, but um, in light of hearing someone who's actually going through persecution saying, here's my discussion about my faith. Yeah. It's no wonder Jesus is the priority, and I just wonder if it's time for us as a church to make Jesus the priority once mm. again. Yeah. Yeah, and what goes through my mind, Brian, is that um, it kind of goes back to the lament, too. Uh, what is our faith worth to us? What is Jesus worth to us? Right. You know, and when you're lined up against that kind of cost, their faith is worth everything to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And And... That's the perspective. It, it's mm-hmm. how much is our faith worth to us? You know, yes. what yeah. is it really worth the inconvenience or the change in lifestyle or the being uncomfortable because you're forced into family with people you mm-hmm. didn't know mm-hmm. before you stepped into house church or, you know, what what's it worth to you? You know, and uh, when you know Jesus, you know, it's worth everything because what we're offered is beyond. Yes. But um yeah. But it may cost everything, and mm-hmm. it's good to to be confronted with that, that other people look at yeah. Jesus and say, it's worth everything. Right. It is yeah, worth everything. Just like the disciples in the early church right. in Acts, they were willing to die for it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're fortunate in America and in much of the Western world, we're not forced to make that decision. And... Uh, so I, I just think I just think we need to be aware of that. We need to appreciate that more. And um, also, if we're serious about saying prayers like "God grow your church," um, or I want to make you know, I want to make real disciples. Right. Count the cost. Yeah. That's that's what this pastor encouraged on the final. We'll jump ahead to what he said last, because she asked him, you know, what what could you say to the Western yeah. Church, and and his big thing was count the cost. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what the early church did, and that's what Christians all over the world are doing in America. Yeah. Well, and that's the lament, right? What I line up everything that I'm unhappy about. And some of them are really big things. Right. God is still greater. Mm-hmm. God is still trustworthy. God's way is still, you know, like that's the, that's the counting of the cost, sort of, right? Yeah. It's not wiping all that stuff under the rug and saying it doesn't matter. It's, it's just the opposite. Yeah. Right? He also said something that really stood out to me. Yeah. Was um, with it's kind of along the lines of no denominations. Yeah. Um, there were a couple things that I want to touch on, um, and it was that uh, he used the word decentralized. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, and we've talked about that before our, our network. We wanted to decentralize. We wanted to serve the house churches. We wanted mm-hmm. to raise up other leaders. Yeah. We wanted to make it e- as easy as possible for people to step into what God has gifted them in, make right. them passionate right. about, in order to see them thrive and grow and yeah. step into those things. Right. Um, that's what's happening. And that is persecution grows the church without a doubt, but also what will grow the church is a decentralized mindset of who is called. Because mm. we have said pastors yeah. are called. We've esteemed that. Um, I don't know, Kristen, looking back, how many people I've talked to through the years are just like, oh, wow, you're you're a pastor, you know, <laughs> you, you're so lucky and fortunate that God has given that to you, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, we just respect pastors. And, um, and again, it's not that that's innately bad or evil right. or anything like that, but it's just like, um, I'm just at the point where I, I'm, I'm kind of like, I, I'm disgusted by that now. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. man, I can't believe that my I allowed my ego to be filled so much with those compliments right. of well-intentioned people. That, right, right. You know, um, but like we, I really believe. Uh, here's a here's a rabbit trail. <laughs> uh, is there's got to be so much more decentralization of the church and and the emphasis we put on esteeming pastors. Um, more than what is in any type of biblical reference yeah. or idea of what it is to lead in any context, yeah. let alone just the church context. Mm-hmm. And really, like I, I, I want to go back and study it more, but uh, but I know the time frame. But I mean, we need to look at how did these centralized church structures begin? Where did they begin? Yeah. How did they begin? Um, and look at that and we'll be able to trace right down through history where it all changed, where the growth in the church changed, Mm -hmm. you know, um, where the emphasis shifted Mm -hmm. from the importance of Jesus's original call and commission was this is for everybody to go into all the world. Yeah. And it became, this is what our priest does. This is what the church is in charge of. Instead of a personal call to every man, woman, and child to yeah. go into all the world and make disciples, to be disciples. Yeah, right. Um, and so that excites me when I hear this is like, you know, we're already kind of moving in this decentralized language and way of doing things. Yeah. But um, I just want to challenge pastors out there like um, decentralization should not be something we should outright fear because mm. it doesn't mean that there's not structure it doesn't mean that there's not a measure of order because we do know right. that that the holy spirit uh, god is a god of order right um and uh so we we shouldn't fear that but it's just a breaking down of how we do things and what is our emphasis and what is our serving emphasis for the church um and Okay, now I need to. I need. I'll go on and on with that. Um, sorry, I might have to edit some of that out. I, no. I don't know. We'll see. You know, one of the other things that's related to that, Brian, is that that's related to that, and I think some of it actually was unintended. Mm. Um, you're right. Some of it's human nature. Some yeah, of it is yeah. we like to build things we can, and then which is good. We're made to build. Right. But then we start to get a little. 
like we're going to control everything, right? Mm -hmm. And we lose focus of who, yeah. <laughs> of what the plan is. But we started to build this come and see model, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We'll build something and then we'll, people, we'll get people to come and see Jesus. And one of the impactful things I know that you talked about, um, and it impacted me as well, is he points out, Pastor X, that that's not a biblical model. Mm -hmm. The biblical model is go and find, mm -hmm. seek the lost, right? Yeah. Jesus, the shepherd, goes out for the one who mm -hmm. not has, you know, who maybe has not just wandered off but run off, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. um, and that we as a church have fallen into this, oh, we'll build something beautiful and then will people invite them to it. Meanwhile, people need us to go find them. Yes. And demonstrate the love of Christ yeah. to them and the kingdom and meet them yeah. where they're at. And, you know, it was interesting. He talks about how part of why so many of these Muslim converts are so passionate is that they were passionately seeking God. He talks about his wife. She was yes. a passionate woman who wanted to know yes. God, but she'd been told the wrong facts about him. Mm -hmm. And so when the truth is revealed of who Jesus is and who this God that she was seeking really is, what he's really like. And that he shows up in power. That he shows up in power, that he is real, that he mm -hmm. is, you know, when that truth is exposed, um, it's just like a, a spiritual switch flips, right? right? And she's like, this is it. This, I thought I was on the right road, but mm -hmm. this is what I've really been thirsting for. Yeah. And I think that's part of that going and finding people and finding out, what are you thirsting for and and is it working for you and you know yeah. you know yeah. what was really cool too as as you're saying that and along those lines is um this pastor was describing and i've heard this this god is doing this in albania as yes. well revealing him so jesus is showing up in the dreams of men and women uh who are and in particular muslim men and women right. And revealing truth to them, and talking about His love and His grace, and yeah. um, and they're in a dream. They're awakening, going, "I'm now a Christ follower." Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and so we see that even yet today, and I know this is weird in the evangelical church because we get a little bit the antsy. Western, the I Western <laughs> church. I, I want to say evangelical church. Yeah, okay, fair. Because that's what we're a part of. Okay. And I feel like there's stuff that God's beginning to, it's true for the Western yeah. church, but but like we we sometimes get real uncomfortable when we start talking about supernatural works. Yeah that are outside the context of the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, and we see Jesus today still himself going and finding our dear, beloved Muslim brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, He is still doing that work. And part of that I know is because it's such a tough country it's such a tough area of the world and there are so few from the outside able to get in or willing right. to go in right and so but what's happening is he is meeting them right where they are right and they're crying out to god right they are cr that right. was so powerful in that video that it's we look we look <laughs> i'm okay yeah <laughs> we look in the american church 
and and I ho- this is a general statement because I hope it's not true across the board, but we have come to look at Muslims in the American church through our American eyes, through yes. our nine eleven eyes. And I I was I'm old enough to remember what it was like on nine eleven and what that felt like. Mm-hmm. So I, ho- hear me, I'm not just a youngin who doesn't remember. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I have heard plenty of stories from veterans of Vietnam, of World War II, of the Korean War, yeah. of of Afghan War, of of Desert Storm. I've heard I've it's real to me. I've seen the emotion, I've seen the hurt, I've seen the trauma of soldiers coming back from war. Um and Jesus has called us to go and find Muslims to reach out to them in our context that could mean also put any people group in there for what that is for us for you individually as a listener but we have got to stop looking at the muslim people as a whole and this is a little bit of a tangent but i hope it's good through our american eyes because that lens folks is racist Mm mm-hmm that lens is bigoted. Yeah. That lens is unloving and uncaring. And you're basically saying to Jesus Christ, I'm not following you on yeah. this issue. I get the hurt in the turmoil of 9-11. I get that. But it is time for us as a church to realize that us going and finding If us going and finding is only to white or Caucasians that look like us, we're missing it. We're totally missing the point. And we are not in true obedience and true surrender to the whole of God's word and what God has called us to be as a church. If all we think about and all we want to reach are people that look just like us. And so I think Jesus is showing up in Muslim countries. And in Muslims, maybe even in America, that are having dreams and visions Mm -hmm. of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is saying, I love them so much. And my church isn't reaching them. And so I watch a video like this, and I just go, thank you, Jesus. You are so good. That you're showing up in their lives and you're revealing yourself to them and giving them the opportunity to know you and to love you and to serve you. And thank you, Jesus, for their example as they're willing to lay down their lives for you, as they make you king first. They recognize you as king. And then, therefore, the power of that salvation is life-giving in trans in transforming mm. Mm. rant over the verse that keeps ringing in my ears brian is who do we fight against not against flesh and blood mm-hmm. and that's where the error comes in instead of seeing each human being as the image of god who um in that case has been deceived yeah but is thirsting and doing everything in their power without the right information mm-hmm. 
without the illumination, right, to find God. And Jesus says, I'm not going to let that go unanswered (laughs) if I have to go myself. I'm right. show up, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a little. They tell another story um, of uh, this pastor talked to a gentleman uh, who had come to know Jesus, and he says every day someone dressed all in white shows up at my house and starts talking to me, and I've been taking notes. I've been writing everything down that he says, and he says, "Well, can I see?" And he says. He started reading and he was astonished. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word became flesh. And Pastor X (laughs) (laughs) says uh, to us, the listener and the watchers, he says, Jesus was showing up to this man every day. And he had the entire book of John written down word for word. Yeah. He never had a Bible, never had read the Bible. Mm. But Jesus said, this is is how you get to know me. This is who I am. Mm. As a church, we're going to jump into John after the first of the year here, yeah. and uh, we're going to, thank you, Jesus, we're, we're going to get to know Jesus more mm-hmm. as a church and uh, learn how to hear his voice more clearly. And, and be his hands and feet. Mm-hmm. He is yeah. our example. He's the spiritual exemplar. Mm-hmm. That thank we you, ought Jack to, uh, Exactly, yeah. that we ought to actually be holding up on a pedestal yeah. and saying, that's how you do it. Yes. By the power of the Holy Spirit, whenever he <laughs> rises me up out of the mm-hmm. other half of me, that's, yeah. that is what I want to be. Yeah. That, that's the impact. So good. That's where I ought to be going. That's the beautiful mess. That's what has been ringing in yeah. my ears yeah. of we need to be wading into. Instead of saying, oh, that looks kind of messy over there. We need to be looking over there and saying, that's a place that's looking for Jesus, yeah. right? And I can mm. trust him with my security and my needs and my anchor and enter into the beautiful mess just like Jesus did yeah. when I remember um, who who's, who's I belong to, who's agent of what kingdom am mm. I belonging to, right? He is... He is my rock and my security, which allows me to say no person in their right mind would want to enter into that persecution or that <laughs> mess over there or that need, right? And not as not as me, the Savior, mm-hmm. but um, to be willing to enter into that and say, what what can Jesus give me to do here? You know? Yes, yeah. And to circle back around to, um, man, that's really good, Kristen. Um, to circle back around to... You mentioned the come and see versus the going yeah, and finding. Right. Um, we talked about that. My dad mentioned that as being something to him that really just, uh, you know, was an revelation, rev- revelatory moment yeah. uh, for him. And he's been involved in church leadership for years, right. um, too. And even parts of, uh, we talked about at our house church, the, the church that I grew up in, the Alliance Christian Center, um, uh, and Pastor Kirk Martin coming up in a very evangelistic-minded church. Right. I mean, it, we were always talking about it being encouraged and mm-hmm. even given opportunities to go house door-to-door, Yeah, which is an old-school st- old yeah. way of doing it, which terrifies most Christians and even church leaders today, including myself. Um, <laughs> but, the, I mean, there is this very— And the people behind the door, for right, that right, matter. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
but you know it's it, there's this huge evangelistic effort and yeah. and emphasis of it's not about just gathering it's about going yeah um uh but even within that there is still this kind of underlying greater emphasis on the gathering and on coming yeah. and seeing still and what we end up with is is church filled with the already saved ones and that's wonderful that is that is needed and necessary yes. for the already saved ones to gather to fellowship to worship together to pray together to support each other that is a beautiful thing um but what happens is we tend to lose the actual going. Mm-hmm. We think that going to church is all that God requires. <laughs> right. That if we go to church, God is happy with us. Yeah. And that is, can I just say this out loud? That is a lie from hell mm-hmm. that the devil is happy to allow Christians yeah. and even pastors to continue to propagate and live by and think mm. like it is it is a terrible deception mm. in the body of Christ in the western world that going to church is kind of besides asking Jesus into your heart mm-hmm. that just by going to church you're helping to spread the gospel elsewhere mm. by donating to a missionary here or there or you know the church's work is to go do this mm. the devil's so happy that he has been able to in the western world shrink the yeah. actual power of the church containment yeah to the five percent at any given church the pastor the associate maybe you know the elders or maybe a few sunday school teachers like that's that's the power we have in yeah. the american church is we have so few people actually out there from our churches telling others about jesus mm-hmm. And oh my goodness, Chris, I'm going to get in so much trouble. But pastors, <laughs> I don't, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to go for it. When was the last time, Pastor, you led someone to Christ off the pulpit, away from the pulpit, in your own neighborhood, in your own life? When was the last time when you didn't have on the shirt and tie and you didn't have a microphone in your hand or a video camera now pointed at you. That you talked about Jesus with someone who wasn't saved. Hopefully you've got many stories. And if you do, praise God. But when was the last time you... Do you know who your neighbors are, Pastor? If you don't know who your neighbors are, I just I pray you're convicted very powerfully right now through the Holy Spirit. That it's time for you to know who your neighbors are. It is time for you to come out from behind the safety of your big desk at church and for you to really step into a new season of going and finding people. It is not enough for us, and I'm speaking to myself, I'm going I'm evaluating this in my own life powerfully the last couple weeks is how can I encourage my church to do these things if I'm not doing them? How can, it's not enough for me, like Jack kind of mentioned, you know, like to kind of put on this front, like I can live this yeah. way on Sunday mornings 
And what we're doing is we're showing our people just a false idea of what it is to Empty. really be a follower of Christ. That's why, that's why, that's why we don't see the miracles like is happening all over the rest of the world. We don't see the power of God like many in the Eastern Church does, that where God is showing up in miraculous signs and wonders and in power and might. We that's why we celebrate the fact that. Um, we don't get, we didn't get a flat tire on the way to work, you know, this week or, you know, whatever it is and put whatever context in our Americanized Christianity we have is that pastors, you, you have got to know who your neighbors are. You have got to be going yourself. It is not enough for you to be trying to draw people. You're probably exhausted, absolutely exhausted at trying to encourage your people to go out and, be the hands and feet of Jesus. If you're listening to this and you're coming into this realization like like I have that I I need to be doing more. I need to be going more. Mm-hmm. I need to make it less about sitting behind a desk prepping sermons and organizing and planning for how the network is going to work. I need to make sure that I'm out there doing it and that I'm leading by true example. Mm-hmm. Not as the ultimate example, though. (laughs) That's got to be cleansed out of our thinking and our hearts as pastors. Yeah. I'm going to get in so much trouble for that, but uh, (laughs) not from you. No, not from me. But, But, you know, it's interesting, Brian, because I'm sitting here listening to you, uh, reflecting on the conversation we had in our house church. You know, we uh, went our own freestyle way and we... We're looking at first um, Luke chapter one, uh, like 26 through 38, basically Mary's response to this angelic presence. So a couple of things that stand out to me that relate to what you were just talking about. One is we had this big discussion about, wait a minute, what do angels actually look like? <laughs> right. And, yeah. and the reason why I'm relating that is because our culture has so sanitized our faith it makes it into a powerless, precious moment figurine. These angels were, you know. <laughs> literally, the. Literally. Precious moment. I'm following you. Now. Literally, I'm tracking, I'm right? Tracking, yeah. Exactly. We had to have some explanation for some of our younger crew. <laughs> and that was not my reference. I just want to, I'm oh. not going to throw Aaron under the bus oh. as the one who brought up the precious moments. But um, no, but we are talking I'm about. I'm surprised how, he knows that. I actually. was too, honestly. Okay. Yes, he's an old soul, apparently. I don't know. Um, but but we, we had this powerful conversation about um, we can believe that angels are just nice humans with big fluffy wings. Right. And we do that so much with God in the supernatural. Like our faith story is a virgin birth ending in a resurrection from the dead that breaks all of the chains mm-hmm. and power that sin has over this world. And we sanitize it down so much that it's empty. And um, when faced with that messenger that is the the embodiment of some of that angelic power, Mary's answer was, let's do it. That's not, that's not, that's a (laughs) Christian, that's my Christian, my Christian version of it, right? Like we were all just. NKV, new Christian version. New Christian version. (laughs) (laughs) Just came up with that in my head. That's right, I like that, I like that. Um, But, you know, we all talked about how remarkable this young 
preteen probably woman was who probably had some understanding of that, you know, they've been waiting for the Messiah and this angelic, fearsome being that shows up that, you know, usually people's first response are, the angel has to say, stop being afraid, you know, right? right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that's the first response. So she says, she doesn't say why or she, I mean, there are a couple of things, but basically she's like, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. And may it be so. And she has no details. Mm-hmm. She does not know what she's saying yes to. And that's what's also making me think of what you're talking about too. It's about saying, I don't know how this is possible all I see are hurdles and mess and things that are going to take supernatural power. Right. And I just say, so be it, Lord. Yeah. If you say you want me, I'm yeah. in. And I don't know what that means. I don't know how that looks like. I know it's going to be uncomfortable speaking as somebody who's been pregnant before. And, <laughs> you know, I there's there's like the challenges of changing where you've been at. Like you were talking with pastors, like... We have to be willing to say it doesn't even matter how I got here, but God has called me, is moving me into something else, and I need to rearrange whatever I need to do to say I'm here for it. Yeah. And I don't have any idea how that's going to work out, and that's scary, and I don't have any idea what it's going to cost me, but I'm going to count my life as his and say I'm here for it. Yeah. So be it. Yeah. What kingdom are we defending and actually living for? And and what is our knowledge of that kingdom based on? Yeah. Is it really truly scripture? And again, I there there is a part of me just for clarification and just to be open and honest. Uh, there is a part of me that wants to say, "Let's tear down everything, every building." Yeah. Just being honest about that. Yeah. It says, "Let's just tear it all down." Um. God, if what you need to do in me is is for me to say I'm I'm willing to do this whether I get paid or not. Again, I'm speaking to the pastors listening. Yeah. Am I willing to do this for the long term even if we're just two house churches? Is that worth it to me? Is the yeah. gospel, Jesus, right. are you worth it to me? Or is my thinking and mentality so based around building my own kingdom? I'm going to say it's God's kingdom. I'm going to call it God's kingdom. I'm going to use all the right Christianese and churchy language to make sure everybody knows I'm building God's kingdom. But is that what I'm actually doing? Or am I building Brian Donahue's kingdom? Mm. For us, the context of this, it terrifies us sometimes <laughs> to think about losing income. 
to think about, okay, I've got this beautiful church building that has done so much wonderful ministry down the years. But it's, it, it is so ingrained in us that it is now unthinkable for many churches and pastors to ever consider the possibility of, of deconstructing enough to say, are we really being effective witnesses for the gospel? Are we really making disciples? Are we really going? Mm. Or now do we just have a Christian club? Mm. And that's so hard and gut-wrenching for people to think about mm. because it means we have to break down everything. Mm. It means we have to lay down our lives, maybe anew, and it means if we go there, the possibility at least exists that we're going to say, tear down this building and let's buy a tent <laughs> or tear down this building and we need to build a homeless shelter in its place or we need to convert mm. it to a homeless shelter mm. or a soup kitchen or whatever, you know? Yeah, that's, and I'm thinking, that's what Brian, it, means. it might also mean that you're going to disrupt relationships, which to me gets at my heart more than the building, right? You you're know, when you're, you're so at, much more um, sensitive than I am to that. <laughs> I appreciate that. But I'm just thinking there. about, you know, what actually what's running through my head is a quote from Hamilton where he says, you know, uh, dying is easy, living is harder. And then they also talk about governing is harder, you mm. know, and we we're not the Holy Spirit. And for some times you are called out to change everything sometimes you're called to tear down mm -hmm. the building like mm -hmm. you said sometimes you're called to be in the uncomfortable spot of disrupting the apple cart of everyone's expectations mm -hmm. in the context you're still in which can be an even harder job mm. yeah um, as a leader to say guys we need uh, we need to throw the book out on what we've been doing and that's going to yeah. make all of you uncomfortable and the cool thing is, though, that's uh, that's outstanding. And by the way, first Hamilton reference, I think, in our podcast, if I'm not mistaken. As far as I know, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so that's worthy of note. Um, uh, but the cool thing is we're throwing the book out, but we still have this other and the most amazing book ever right. written. Right, <laughs> right. That should be our it, – it, it should be how we format, how we look at, right. how we view, how we, how we execute, how we educate – yeah everything and um i that to, like that is that should fill us with hope like yeah you know that that should all of this scary stuff of you know okay as a pastor if yeah. i start really breaking this down and i start evaluating our ministries and right. i start evaluating um who actually shows up to do the hands and feet work yeah yeah you know yeah. Who who are the ten or twenty percent actually showing up to do right. the unglamorous work of the church? If that's all I'm left with, if we go down this road, am I willing to you know? Because right. this this is disrupting. It's disrupted our lives, Kristen. Completely. And completely. Uh, in so many ways. And I don't think it's done yet. No. It scares me a I'm little, convinced. but but yeah. <laughs> I'm convinced. And and I'm thankful for it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Let's wrap up with this. Um cuz this is how the spirit's moving in my heart and this is one of our longer podcasts. Yes, it is. Um but good. Good. Um I hope really engaging and helpful. Um 
one of the things I'm grateful for, because we're in a season of Thanksgiving and, and mm-hmm. um, dwelling on the blessings of God yes. in our lives as we look at the birth of Christ here and just, uh, as that we celebrated on December 25th. Um, right? Is that the right day? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> double checking. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll put a reminder in my phone. That we, we have a service on the 24th. 24th, yes. Right, I'll call you in the morning. Okay, thank you. Know, you. Or I'll just tell Devin. <laughs> Devin will be on it. Devin, make sure he comes tonight. We're doing the yeah. Advent calendar thing. My kids are way into Advent calendars, and uh, it's great fun every day to see their excitement. But yeah. that's what I want to talk about my kids. <sighs> my kids know and they're learning what it is to be a true disciple. Mm. And don't get me wrong, they had fantastic Sunday school teachers yeah. at where we came from uh, who did an amazing job and uh, sewed into their lives, even if they may not remember their, their faces yeah. now, yeah. especially Brody. Peyton might remember if yeah. she saw some people, but um, my kids hear us talking about this stuff all the time. Mm. And... The other kids of pursuit too. Yeah. And what a blessing it is to be a part of this atmosphere. And I I know like God, I was the first one to say yes to this thing. Mm. And you guys came along. But I just like in my deconstruction and analyzing and thinking and dwelling on everything like i i just can't believe god has allowed me that we get to be a part of a church that is really truly discipling people and that our kids are catching a glimpse Mm -hmm. of the true kingdom of god and that they are going to school every day being prayed over by Mm -hmm. devin and i that they can make an impact right where they're at, that that language is being spoken to them regularly. Those kids, Brody, making fun of you at school, how would Jesus want you to act or react? Mm -hmm. You know, when do you need to shake the dust off your feet and move on and just ignore it? And, you know, when do you need to say that's not true, you know, and just leave it at that? And how can you serve those kids? How can you make sure you're not saying anything mean or hateful back to them? Right. Because Jesus loves them just as much as he loves right. you. Right, right. And that's the atmosphere we have in our house churches mm. is we happen to have all the we little kids. Um, but because of everybody that's in your church, um, our kids feel loved because mm. of all the time we spent yeah. together as one. Yeah. And and Kristen, you've sewn into my kids so much. Meredith sewed into our kids so much. Um, our kids love Aaron and Megan yeah. and Stephen. Um, you know, you know, maybe not hang out all the time with them, but yeah. they just yeah. they look up to those guys. Yeah. And um, we're just blessed. We we prayed this prayer um, even this week in our house church, or maybe I mentioned it that. Um, I prayed it over the kids before he sent them down here to mm-hmm. for their kids' discipleship time. Lord, thank you that they're the best part of who we are. Mm-hmm. That they get to be disciples right now. They get to learn how to do that now. 
so that when they're older, they, they maybe don't have some of these struggles with their identity in Christ mm. that we have, yeah. you know, that they're going to have something ingrained in them from a very young age, that they are called, they are sent, they are anointed, and mm. they are gifted, and, yeah. and God wants them to go. Yeah. And so my heart is, is one of the legacies of Pursuit Friends is that every kid that comes through our churches, our house churches, that however long they're with us, (laughs) that we get to be a part of impacting them to be true disciples. Mm. And we may never see the result, but that is part of what we should measure as our success as a church, is that uh, those unseeable, tangible things that we can't, or, or, you know, I'm not saying that well, but those unseeable things we'll never see. Um, and that they're encountering Christ right where they're That's at. That's the key, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. They didn't just learn about yes. God. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. We are so thankful uh, here at Pursuit for our brothers and sisters in the Middle East and for the persecuted church, we mm-hmm. pray a lot. I know I pray. Mm-hmm. I should say I pray a lot for the persecuted mm-hmm. church. And I am challenged by you and love you, all our brothers and sisters mm-hmm. uh, who are in the Middle East, who are serving God and being a disciple and making disciples. And I just want to go on record as saying as a pastor in the evangelical church, of America, um, that I'm not a Christian that hates you if you're Muslim. And I'm not just saying that to grandstand or show off. Um, But I love you. Jesus loves you. And um, yeah, I don't know how else to end it other than to say... (laughs) Thank you for listening to yeah. Pursuit Friends Podcast. Um, we are so in love with Jesus Christ, and we hope you are too. And if you're not or you don't know who Jesus is, and somehow you've been listening to this, drawn to this podcast, yeah. I would encourage you to reach out to us um, through our Facebook page, our website. You can email us. You can contact us. Um, you can write a letter to us. My address, Kristen's address <laughs> of our house churches are all over Facebook. Um, so you can even write a letter to us if you want to. Yes. Oh man. Uh, that would be lovely. And we would love to chat with you, encourage you, pray with you. Um, and if you'd like to be a part of Pursuit Friends Church, if these things are resonating with you and you feel challenged and you feel called to more and to be a part of a decentralized work that is, um, excuse me, focused on the person of Jesus Christ, and on going and finding, and on serving and loving. Um, We'd love to invite you to show up on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Whitmer House Church, or a Sunday evening at 6 at Deborah House Church. And just know that you'll find family. uh, You'll find hope. You'll find acceptance of who you are, where you're at in life right at this moment. And we will just bring you into our family and love you and serve you. And God will do the rest. Whatever else needs to happen, 
but come. Come as you are, um, which is the call of Christ for us to him. Come as you are, and uh, we'll equip you, and we'll uh, love on you, and uh, we'll pray over you as a sent one, and ask the Lord to empower you and embolden you to go into whatever your world is, whatever your context is at work, home, play, school, whatever, and to be his hands and feet. So God bless you guys. This has been really good, Kristen. Uh, I hope you feel that way. I know I do. I got some things off my chest today. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, Jesus is worth it, y'all. He's worth Amen. it. Amen. So let's go and find in Jesus' name. God bless you guys. 